Hi everybody, this is Jeremy. My wife Candace and I are the pastors at the Ridge Assembly at Park Hill. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message connects with you, that inspires you, reveals God's word of truth in your life. Be encouraged and enjoy the message. All right, guys, so here we go. We're in a series called Walk This Way, right? It's, it's an appropriate start to a new year because a lot of people are, are, things are getting crazy. Things were crazy in 2020, and it's not like there was a light switch that was thrown on December 31st, right, as, as it approached midnight. Things are still a little bit crazy. But in the midst of all that, people are trying to deal with New Year's resolutions and figuring out how we're going to live in this year and how we're going to, to kind of shape our lives to still be significant, even in the midst of chaos. How, how we're still going to be able to minister to people, how we're going to get our lives together, how we're going to walk in peace, how we're going to navigate this crazy season. Because it's crazy, right? There's tension in this season. Personally, socially, financially, politically, there's some tension. And so, so we're trying to figure out, a lot of folks are trying to figure out how to navigate this, how to walk through it. And so for instructions, for revelation, we go to the, the only place that is, is tried and true to receive instructions and revelation, and that is, of course, the Word of God. At the, at the accepted risk of not being relevant or progressive, I'll remind us that the truth that's written in the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It's the revelation, God's revelation to mankind. It's non-negotiable. It's for our benefit. And the Bible has authority to frame and to guide our lives. There was a JBQ question kind of like that. So if you remember that from JBQ, hold on to that, right? Because you're going to need that through the rest of of your life. The Bible's got a ton of things to say about how to navigate uncertain times and tumultuous seasons, especially in the epistles of Paul. And so that's where we've been reading the, in this season. We've been reading in the book of Ephesians because there the world was grasping with this tension between traditional Judaism and, the, and this new Christianity and all the time under the Roman rule and, and things were a little bit crazy and there were, it was tension. So Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, instructs us on how to navigate seasons like this with grace and with power and how to walk as Christians, how to make consistent, purposeful, significant forward progress. Despite opposition, despite competing views, right? despite hardships, despite uncertain futures and prowling fear, and it looks a whole lot like what we're facing today. And we have the instructions about how we should walk, walk this way. Yes, two weeks ago, we began reading in Ephesians 4, how the Lord expects us to walk in unity. He said we need to walk in unity with the big C church and with the local body and with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, if you're walking in unity with the Holy Spirit, you don't have any troubles walking in unity with God's people on a global level or on the local level, right? Last week we looked at Ephesians 4, again continuing Ephesians 4, how we're to walk as new creations, putting off the old man, putting on the new man. And there's a list of signs and symptoms of both the new creation and the old man in Ephesians 4. And it's important to review those and consistently make decisions to put on the new man. Because remember, guys, this is a long journey. Paul's telling us how to walk, not how to sprint, Right? We're looking for consistent, purposeful, forward progress in our lives. 
This morning, guys, the, the next topic, we're moving into Ephesians 5. And in Ephesians 5, we as Christians, as the body of Christ, we are called to consistently, purposefully walk in love. Now, Valentine's Day is still a month away, so right, we got a little bit of time to get this down. This isn't about uh, romantic love. This is about Christian love. It's a little bit different, right? As a matter of fact, love is complicated. And if you haven't figured that out yet, um, <laughs> you're incredibly lucky. Love is very complicated. There's, several, there's actually seven different words used for love in Greek, right? So, so when the Greeks took a break from making yogurt, they were writing a dictionary on words used for love. There's seven words. Now there's four that are used in the Bible, so those are the four that we're most familiar with. If you're into, into looking at the root words of things, there's four words used in the Bible. There's seven total. The Greeks were all about this. Why do they need to do that? Because in English, it gets watered down a little bit. Because when I say that I love my wife, it's different than when I say that I love playing soccer. Now, both of those are true, but it's different, right? And that's different than the way that I love my kids, and that's different than the way that I love church, and that's different than the way that I love cookies, right? I love all those things. All of that's true, but it's in different ways. And so, so the Greeks actually had different words to define all of those different things. And ladies and gentlemen, it's complicated. But what's not complicated is the direction that God is calling us as children of God to walk forward as new creations in love. Defining it may be difficult, but modeling it is not. It's the essence of being like Christ, and it's the essential hallmark of His church. He talks about that in Ephesians chapter number 5, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. As we said, the Greeks, man, they had a whole dictionary full of words for love. But this particular one is one that, that I know you've heard around church. It's agape. Right? This is selfless love. This is sacrificial love. This is unconditional love. Right? When I think about this and you read the definition of it, the, the, the verse that pops into my mind is, is Romans 5, 8. that says that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When he had nothing to gain for it, when we had nothing to offer him, Jesus died for our sins. That is the selfless, sacrificing love, the uncompromising love that is agape love. And it's not surprising then that out of those seven words that the Greeks used, the New Testament uses agape so many times. It's all over the place. But outside of Bible literature, it's not used very much. It doesn't surprise me. Because I can't imagine how I could fathom you know, unconditional love outside of the model of the person of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we are called to. We're called to walk in that kind of love. So we need to walk in that kind of love. Despite political atmospheres, Right? And despite fear-mongering or with or without social media or social acceptance, we've got to figure out how to walk in love. So how do we do that? Right? 
I get that the love uh, that love is the essence of Christianity. I, I get that it's the the hallmark of the church. But but how do I look for that in my life? How do I measure it to know if I'm increasing and becoming more like Christ, or if I'm decreasing and becoming more like the flesh? And I need to to, to shift some things around, right? Because it, that's an honest question. In a society that, that grows more and more salty and, and just a, a little bit more restless every day, it's an honest question to continue to look at yourself and saying, am I advancing, walking closer to Christ, consistently demonstrating this kind of love? Or am I being pulled into the fray of the flesh and sinking in? Right now, one, of the, one of the tools that the Bible uses to make sure that we're catching everything is to tell us what to do and then to contrast that with what not to do. Right? That, that way we, it's clear that we understand it. That's what we saw last week when we were looking at walking as new creations. Uh, Paul says, hey, walk this way, and what this means is don't do this. In Ephesians chapter number 5, we, we see the same kind of thing. The Holy Spirit, just to make sure that we catch it, he says, walk in unconditional love. Walk in agape love. And just so you know what that is, here's a few things that it's not. Right, so let's look at a few more verses in Ephesians 5, and you'll see the contrast. Let's go back to verse 1, just to, because context is king. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Verse 3, but in contrast to that, Hey, walk in love, but in contrast to that, but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as fitting for the saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For you know this, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater will have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. That last sentence, right, it really doesn't even fit with the rest of the message, but I had to read that because, because that's what all this is about, right? It, the whole reason that we get together and, 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 and try to do something as a church, the whole reason that we're, we're being, being mandated to push the gospel and to advance the kingdom is because of that second part. It should fill you with a passion to preach the gospel to the lost because it says, you know what? People that are outside of the love of God, people that are outside of relationship with God, those who, who remain fornicators, unclean people, or covetousness, or idolaters, that those are set up to be lost for eternity. And that's the kind of passion that should push us to preach the gospel at all costs. That's the passion that should, should drive us. That's the passion that is itself driven by love. That's what made Jesus go to the cross, is knowing that, that if that sin remains on us, that we are eternally separated from God. For God so loved the world, there's that word again, that He gave His only begotten Son. That's agape love. It's agape love when I read in the book of Revelations how it refers to Jesus as being the lamb that was slain for the foundation of the world. Before the world was created, he knew that I was going to sin. And he chose to create me anyway. Because he also chose to die so that we could have relationship. And ladies and gentlemen, that last verse of scripture is why we've got to be driven through love to preach the gospel in passion. We've got to preach. We've got to live, and we've got to walk in agape love. It's the hallmark of the church. 
It's the essence of Christianity. A couple of things that we can measure. Say, Pastor Jimmy, how do I know if I'm increasing? How do I know if I'm decreasing? Glad you asked. Here's a few things. I can't end right there because we still got a few more minutes, right? Here's a few things that, you, that we, we've got to take a hold of, right? First, Christ-like love. If you're taking an inventory of yourself, the way that you're living, the way you're interacting with people, if you want to know if it's Christ-like, here it is. The first thing is that Christ-like love is appreciative it values the person that's being loved. And that's why it's contrasted with fornication. Okay? Remember, remember, it says, here, here's some things to do. And by the way, here's some things not to do. It says to love, God, to love other people, to make sure that you're showing forth this agape love. And then it says, oh, but by the way, no fornicator will be found. Loving someone as a person, that intrinsic value of someone that's created in the image of God, stands in sharp opposition to what the world is feeding through fornication. Right? What we're talking about here is, is a selfless love, and that, that's why that it, it is contrasted with fornication. You know, the whole, one of the whole problems of pornography, and there's a lot, but, it, but it's a pandemic in America. It's an epidemic in America. But, but one of the things that makes it so harmful is that it dehumanizes, dehumanizes the people behind the screen. Right? And it just makes it a pill of pleasure uh, without actually seeing the people. Same thing with, with, with prostitution or one-night stands or whatever it is. Anytime you're only seeking just momentary physical pleasure and you're not interested in connecting with that person. God has a plan for sexuality. God has a plan for love and marriage and this long-term thing. But when but humans mess it up in our own flesh, and that's called fornication, and fornication is not interested in the other person at all. It's not interested in, in what they've got to offer or what it devalues them only to bring a passing pleasure to the person devaluing and so i'm telling you ladies and gentlemen part of the whole, part part of the essence of christian love part of the essence of agape is making sure that you value the other person in sharp contrast to the fornication it's a love that values somebody and i'm telling you ladies and gentlemen, we're a virtual generation I, I get it right a lot of people that we see we only see through the screen I've got a lot of, of good friends. I work uh, for a French company, and so I've got a lot of good friends in Paris and in Marignac and, and on the other side of the ocean, and I see them a, a couple of times a year, maybe back when we could travel, but most of the time it's just through the screen, so I get it, right? especially this year. Right. I understand that, you know, I got together with some of my cousins on Thanksgiving and we had to do it through Zoom. Right. We did the same thing with, with Candace's family over Christmas, and I get that that's part of it. But there's a danger in only seeing people through a screen. We, we, we kind of, we put people just, just as images or tweets or 30-second videos, and everyone suddenly seems a little bit less human. Ladies and gentlemen, what we've got to do, if we're going to walk in agape love, is love the person behind the screen. Love that person for the intrinsic value that they have behind the mask. Literally or physically, right? Love that person. Right? 
they're created in the image of God. They're loved by God enough for Jesus to die to. It's a person, it's a spirit, and they're going to spend eternity somewhere. The greatest example of loving someone through the facade is, of course, with Jesus and his conversation with the woman at the well. You guys maybe remember this. I think it's in John chapter number 4. But Jesus says, I've got to go through Samaria. I've got to. I've got to go through Samaria. When he gets to Samaria, he sees a Samaritan woman sitting by the well. And he has, this is the conversation. It's a famous conversation. You can look it up. It's, it's Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus had every reason not to talk to this lady. Every reason. She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. Now, we've got racial problems in America, right? There are divisions, and I'm not downplaying that, but this was like on crack kind of racial divisions back then. The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. They wouldn't even, the Jews wouldn't even walk through Samaria, and Jesus says, I've got to go. And so then he meets the Samaritan woman alone in the daylight, right? It was improper for them to even have a conversation. She's a Samaritan. He's not supposed to like her. She's a woman by herself. It's improper for them to be talking together. She's had kind of a rough life. She's made some really horrible choices. She's made a mess of it, to be honest. She's had five husbands, and now she's shacked up with a guy that's not even her husband. Depending on how you read the conversation between her and Jesus, to me, when I read it, it seems like she's a little bit sarcastic at first. How are you going to be sarcastic with the Messiah? But through all that, for all the reasons that Jesus shouldn't have talked to her on the surface, he sees the value of a person behind the mask, behind the screen, behind the posts and the tweets. He sees the value of the person and he connects with her. That, ladies and gentlemen, is agape love. He, he connected with her because she was a soul and she was created on purpose for a purpose and God still had a plan. No matter how much she had messed up her life before, God still had a plan. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the same kind of thing that he's calling us to do, to connect with people because of their intrinsic value. Ladies and gentlemen, we as Christians, we've got to walk in love for people just because they're people. We've got to pray for them. We've got to pray for their soul. We've got to pray for revival like, like their souls and their eternities depend on it. We've got to minister to them. We've got to meet their needs. We've got to speak life to them. That doesn't mean applaud everything they're doing. You've got to be careful because what you applaud, you encourage. Right? But we've got to see the intrinsic value of people and bless them and speak over them. And tell the truth. And that brings us to the second thing. If we're talking about love, you can't talk about love without talking about truth. Love and truth are codependent. You cannot have one without the other. Right? If you're ever in a relationship and it's built on a lie, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right out, it's not love because love is built on truth. And the same thing is true for agape love. It is true. And just like that, why the valuing a person was contrasted with fornication, loving a person in truth is contrasted with uncleanliness in Ephesians chapter 5. Because anything that's not true is a lie, and even if it sounds good, even if it's pleasing to the flesh. As the popular rhetoric is that we should accept everyone, right? If you love them, you accept them. 
But actually, that's that's not true, and that's, that's a huge subject, and it's enough for a whole sermon. As a matter of fact, we did a whole sermon on it in the For the Record series last year, but the Bible actually doesn't say that we should accept everyone. The Bible says that we should love everyone. There's a difference. Because love is more concerned about safety than pleasure. So, did you guys hear this story? It, over Christmas, it was actually a few days before Christmas, a 12-year-old boy blew himself up with a grenade. And this isn't in some third-world country. This is in Virginia, right? In Virginia, in the United States, in the very end of 2020, a 12-year-old boy was tragically killed when a grenade that they purchased at an antique mall exploded. It's a horrible thing. It was a leftover World War II grenade, and, and there's this, this they, they bought it back in the summer, so it's not like it was new. And, like, if I were 12, I would play with it, right? I'm, I'm almost 40, and I would play with it, because grenades are cool, right? I mean, but they didn't know that it was alive. After, after half a century from, from, or more since, the, since World War II, they didn't know that it was still an active grenade. But sometime while he was playing with it, uh, he pulled the pin, did the thing. I don't know if it dropped it or bumped it or whatever, and it exploded and it killed him. And it cost him his life, and it shouldn't have ever happened. He was just wanting to play with it. It was just a toy to him. It was something like, like you're king of show and tell if you can bring a grenade. And so I'm sure like, it's cool. And if the parents would have known, they would have never let him play with it. If the person that bought it would have known, they would have never bought it. They didn't know. Can you imagine? What if they would have known? What if they would have known and said, well, he really wants to play with it anyway. He really wants to take it to show and tell anyway, because, I mean, you know, th this, is, this is middle school clout. They got a grenade. <laughs> if they would have known, but just didn't want to upset him, you know? If they would have found out, hey, you know what, this is, this is a live grenade. But, you know, he loves it so much. It's one of his prized possessions. That's what's going to make him popular at show and tell. Would that be love? It would be one of the highest forms of hatred. And so, ladies and gentlemen, again, we know the truth about so many things that are live grenades in the hands of this generation. We've got to tell the truth in love. And I, again, I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm not talking about, about passing a judgment to say you've you got to stay. I'm not talking about separation or anything like that. But I am talking about telling the truth because the, the greatest form of love is making sure that you're concerned about someone's safety over their comfort. And if we can look at, at, at some people and in love say, look, I love you, but what you're doing is going to harm you, it'd be the same thing as saying, look, I know you like that grenade, but that is a live grenade. And if you keep that, you're going to hurt yourself. Telling the truth about sin and righteousness and judgment that's a call to love. 
Now, it's got to be done. It's got to be done delicately. It's got to be done under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, right? There's a way to do it, but to shrink back from that is not love. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to, to measure yourself this morning, whether or not you're walking in agape love, ask yourself if you're walking in truth. 1 Corinthians 13, the truth chapter, that's agape love that it's talking about. And it says, love does not rejoice in evil, but it delights in truth. You cannot have love without truth. They're codependent. So if you really love someone, you're going to tell them the truth. And if we say that we love society, if we say that we love our neighbor, if we say that we love our coworkers then the most important thing for us would be to make sure that they don't spend an eternity separated from God. The most important thing to us would be to make sure that we can offer them peace and hope and joy for right here on this earth, and it only comes with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've got to be more concerned about speaking life into their future, into their eternities, than keeping people as friends. Sometimes truth hurts, and again, I... I'm not saying to, to be judgmental or condescending or condemning. But just to look at someone with love and truth and say, here's what I see and here's what the Bible says. And I love you, but I've got to tell you the truth. That's a live grenade you're playing with and it's going to cost you. Last but not least, Christ-like love is selfless. Selfless, less than self-full. <laughs> right? Selfless. That's why it's contrasted with covetousness, right? So you see all these things, we're seeing the contrast here. Love, selfless love is contrasted in Ephesians 5 with covetousness because to covet means the insatiable desire to have something. And when you have that, it's easy to use people to get the thing that you want. But Christ-like love loves people without a motive of a kickback at all. And here's the way I see that working out uh, for our church, right? I see it working out in two ways. One thing is, is that I see it working out that we've got to love people and value people that have nothing to offer us. Nothing. Right? Because I believe I, part, of, part of, the, of ministering like Jesus ministered. Again, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we could offer nothing. Christ loved us. I believe that, that we're going to have to love and minister to people that on the surface have nothing to offer, right? And I also believe that God's going to bring in co-laborers with us, right? What I see, the future of this church, I believe that, that, honestly, before we see a huge influx of people that need to get saved, delivered, and set free, I believe that we're going to have some, some seasoned veterans come in that know how to pray, right? And, and I believe that, that we're going to have co-laborers come in, and I'm excited about that. But I also believe that God is going to bring in people they are just a mess. And God is going to save them. He's going to deliver them. And sometimes... Like, deliverance is just an instant, right? I've, I've seen people come down that they've laid down their drugs on the altar and they've walked out different. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it takes a little while of killing the flesh, right? And that's fine, too. God's going to save them and He's going to deliver them. He's going to use their testimony to reach a multitude. But their calling and their election is between them and God. Our job is just to love them into the kingdom. And not immediately look at anybody to say, what can they do for us?
right? Just to love them the way that they are because Christ-like love is selfless. And what that means is, is loving people and valuing people that can't bring anything to you. It also means telling the truth to people that could bring you value. Sometimes we shy away from loving people in truth to keep them on our good side because they could do us some favors. Right? We don't want to ruffle feathers right? because, you know, we, we, we need that job. We need that relationship. Unfortunately, what that starts doing, unfortunately, that means that we're using that person rather than loving that person. And the same thing could be true in the church. I never want to be guilty of, of sidestepping truth just to keep people happy. And I believe that there's a whole generation of churchgoers, even this morning, that are, that are in pews, that, that, that their ears have just been tickled for so long because their church needs them. They, the church needs them to, to do certain things or to work certain ministries in the nursery. <laughs> they, they need them for their financial contributions. And, and because of that, they've softened the gospel. But that can't be. That can't be. That's not love. True love means that you... you you love that person. You love them because of their, their intrinsic value and you tell them the whole truth, whether they can help you or whether they can't. And shying away from, from confronting a situation that is dangerous just because you're getting something out of that relationship, that's not love. Guys, there's too many truths here to, to, to cover in, in one sermon. Again, guys, the challenge for this whole month is to read the book of Ephesians once a week, every week. It's a short book. Just soak it in. But in general, ladies and gentlemen, the message for today is that we have to walk in love because this world must see Christians walking in love. Right now, the world sees Christians as the shirtless horned guy at the Capitol, right? Not, our, not, not the finest hour. The media and the doctrine of dev, devils has an agenda. And they're going to paint Christianity as radical hate groups that stand against progress. But if we're going to stand against that stereotype, we've got to make sure that people see our actions and every person that would try to be fed that stereotype has an anecdote, as the antidote for what the media and this this crazy culture is pushing they've got to know people that walk consistently purposefully in love demonstrating the love of christ that doesn't mean compromise it doesn't mean being a, being doormat complacency it means living by like jesus it means meeting people it means meeting needs it means connecting with people connecting your resources with their needs it means telling the hard truth but in love and that's the message for today Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We invite you to be part of our online community by subscribing to this podcast. Also, follow us on social media at The Ridge Assembly PH on Facebook and Instagram. If you live in the central Arkansas area, we certainly invite you to be part of our live community. You can join us Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at the Old Park Hill Elementary Building. That's at 3801 JFK Boulevard in North Little Rock. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.